you're listening to Rough Thoughts, a podcast devoted to the Jesus of the Scriptures and to rediscovering Him and His good news of the kingdom. You will hear testimonies, stories of the God of the heavens and the earth at work in ordinary lives. You will be presented with the grace and truth in Jesus. Get ready for the adventure. Right. This is John from Ruck Thoughts, and I have my good friend Angel here from Spiritual Things Group on Facebook. Well, Messenger Group. And uh, we've been friends for a few years now on, on the group, and uh, uh, she's been an encouraging sister in the Lord. And uh, we're going to hear her story. She's going to share whatever God puts on her heart. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Angel. Um, I'm an artist. I have a lot of cats and a dog and a turtle. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, I, I just, um, I created that group, the spiritual things, um, basically to have like different sort of um, theological thoughts um, come together. I know like at the time there was like a lot going on in the body of Christ, like with um, the charismatic movement and like Calvinism and like things like that. And where there was just like this tug and pull, you know, I, I know in my own walk as well. Like, so I kind of had like all different sorts of people with different uh, theological backgrounds like come together and just kind of hash things out. So, and it, yeah, it kind of turned into um, a lot more than that. Like, uh, you know, brothers and sisters, like supporting one another and building one another. So that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. And I'm glad I found you. I, you know, it was like um, oh, what, a few years ago, I was having some uh, theological discussion and, uh, with with some friends from my other church, and they literally shut down that discussion. They were like, "We're not going to do this." Like, we're, we're they they made it clear like that's not acceptable here. So I was like, "Okay." So I literally um, I talked to some of the folks on uh, I think it was a Naked Bible group or somewhere, and they were like, "Join our group," and uh, then you let me in, and it was awesome. I got to meet you guys, and uh, yeah, you know, it, it's been history from there. I was using my wife's Facebook at the time because we shared the Facebook. And then when I got my, my Facebook, I had to like, had to like go through the process again. Please let me in. And yeah, um, I got confused. I was like, hold on a second. Like, who have I been talking to? I wasn't sure if I was talking to your wife or I was talking to you, but I think it was you the whole whole time. Right. Okay. (laughs) Me the whole time was using her. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's behind the scenes. She's, she's, she doesn't really do like groups or like, messenger chats or anything like that she's my wife is very um behind the scenes she likes to do photography and all kinds of like recording and stuff like that editing so she's not much of like a a podcaster or anything like that so she lets me do all that crazy stuff and uh you know she just she cheers me on so she puts up with it graciously (laughs) so why don't you share why don't you share some of your story, like your testimony, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, whatever 
whatever you want sure. people to know about you and what God's yeah. been doing in your life. So I've had like a crazy interest since I was about 11, but more so by the time I was 13. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of interest in like what I was being taught at school, I guess. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I had more interest in, well, I had a lot of interest in people, but my curiosity was like in religion in like history and mm-hmm. like things like that. And just why are there so many different religions? Why are there so many different cultures and different people and things like that? And so when, when I was about 13, I just, I started studying different religions and Christianity was not like really a huge interest for me because I grew up in a home where they they were Christian, but they didn't go to church often. Mm -hmm. I had some family that went to church often and I had a little bit of influence in that. I also grew up in a home that was like a bit abusive and like, you know what I mean? And so like, I kind of looked at Christianity like, well, you know, I mean, if it's, I think anyone would look at things and be like, well, if that's what Christianity is, then I don't want to be a part of that. You know what I mean? But with the abuse and with like, you know, other things, it it just kind of turned me off. Like, I don't know how to go too far into that without getting like, (laughs) you know, all up in my head, but you know, so I kind of like pushed Christianity and pushed the Bible off, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like, well, I'm curious about, you know, other religions and other cultures. And, um, so I started studying, I know like by the time I was probably 18, 19 years old, I had like studied um, Hinduism, Islam, I studied Buddhism, most of like the major religions. And by the time I had gotten, you know, 19, 20 years old, I was basically like, taking all of those and like finding like the similarities in them and like trying to figure out like, why is it so, what, why are the differences and where did all this come from? And so I kind of got into like the new age sort of like thinking and ideologies and stuff like that and then when um when i met my husband uh he was rastafarian and so rastafarianism is like for the most part there's different sects of it but um 
the the main like sect of it is like the twelve tribes. So it's a you know like it's an Abrahamic sort of religion that's based right. off of the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, so my curiosity, I was like, well, this is cool. You know, like, like Bob Marley and like, right. you know what I mean? And so I, uh, I was interested. So I started studying, you know, and like looking into, but I did it through the Rasta lens, you know what sure. I mean? So, which was fine with me because it was still away from Christianity, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to bother with that, but I had to read the Bible, you know what I mean? And like, you know, and so like I'm studying and, and trying to figure out like the whole Rasta thing. And so where Rastafari comes from is an Ethiopian king. He was born Rastafari. That, that was his name. Mm-hmm. When he was crowned king, he was crowned Holly Selassie I. And so I was like, oh, and they were like, well, this is the second coming. They believed that he was the second coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I, at the, you know, at the same time, like reading the Bible and I'm like, okay, so there's a first coming and then there's going to be a second coming of Christ. And I was like, okay, well, maybe this makes sense. And then, you know, the reason that they believe this is because, well, there's a lot of reasons, but. The main reason is because he is in the line of David and Solomon, and they believe that Solomon and the Queen Sheba had um, a child together, and then right. he's the descendant. Uh, Holly Celestia is the descendant of mm-hmm. of uh, Solomon. So when he was crowned king, he was crowned king of kings, lord of lords. And that sounds familiar to most Christians, right? So I was like, oh, okay, so this is really interesting. You know what I mean? And so I started reading the Kebra Nagas, which is like their, um, it's kind of like like what we would call like pseudepigrapha, but you know what I mean? Like to them, it's actually a part of, it's scriptural part of the Bible, but in like history and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm reading that and I'm like, okay, so this is really interesting. This guy, you know what I mean? They believe that this guy is the second coming of Christ. So if he's the Christ, then let me study his life. You know what I mean? Let me, let me understand who this person is, just like you would do, like reading the Bible to understand who God is, who, to understand who Jesus is, you know? So I'm mm-hmm. like, cool. So like I start studying his life, right? And <clears throat> if you don't mind, I'd like to read like a little bit. Of, go for it. Yeah. Let's scroll down. By the way, um, Justin, Justin's going to get on too. Nice. Nice. Cool. Yep. Uh, Where are we at here? So, yeah. So I started studying his life. And so, you know, he's the king of Ethiopia at the time. 
and which I, I believe was from like, I don't know, like the 1940s to, I believe that he was assassinated in the 1960s. Um, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so he's the king of Ethiopia. And so if you know anything about like the history of Ethiopia, he was trying to, you know, do political things for his country. So he's going to the United Nations, which was called the League of Nations at the time. And he was, um, you know, giving speeches and, and stuff like that. And so I was like, okay, this is, I'm not really a political person, but like, I want to find out who this person is that is, you know, supposedly the Christ, right? Right. So I start reading like his speeches and like about his life and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is kind of odd. So let, let me read you like maybe a couple things, but this sure. is from one of his speeches. It says, this age above all ages is a period in history when it should be our prime duty to preach the gospel of grace to all our fellow men and women. The love shown in Christ by our God to mankind should constrain all of us who are followers and disciples of Christ to do all in our power to see to it that the message of salvation is carried to those of our fellows for whom Christ, our, our Savior, <laughs> was sacrificed, but who have not had the benefit of hearing the good news. So I'm reading this and I'm like, Why would the Christ say that he's a follower of Christ? Right. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And I mean, like all of his writing and all of his speeches sound like this. Like, hmm. it, like yeah. Like he is always trying to bring the gospel to like, like a broad people, you know what I mean? And the, he, this is, these are like speeches to like the United Nations, um, the World Evangelical Congress in Berlin. Like, it, like it's just crazy. And I'm sitting here like, why would Christ say that we need to follow Christ? And like, you know, why would he say he's a disciple of Christ? Because it's basically what he's stating, and he states it many times in all of his speeches. So I'm here like, <laughs> like that's kind of crazy. Like Rastas believe that he is the Christ. So I keep reading his stuff and keep studying his stuff, and then I'm like, all right. So I come across this one. Um, interview with him and they're talking about how the Rastas believe that he is Christ and he's like I am not Christ I am a follower of Christ and I'm like so there there it is it's like 
just outright that's what he says you know what i mean and i'm like okay so if this guy isn't christ but he's preaching the good news and, and the gospel and trying to lead people to christ then who is christ who is this jesus who's jesus mm. so then i was just it, I, I mean this basically i tell people like an ethiopian king led me to jesus <laughs> like that's basically how i came to you know to like really like read the bible and really study the bible because i was just like the things that he was saying in his speeches about the gospel and about jesus and you know all this i was just like okay now i have to now i have to read the bible now i have to really find out who jesus is and you know what i mean yeah so that was the beginning of my little journey and uh then you know i think it was like around 2015 2016 i stumbled upon michael heiser yep and going back to all my questions like okay so still like why is there so many gods why is there so many religions why are there so many different cultures and peoples and things like that and then you know here's michael heiser and the divine uh council worldview and all the gods and like all this stuff and i'm like wait a second like nobody you know what i mean like no christian has ever like said that there's other gods like i know there's other gods because i've studied all them <laughs> you know like i've studied all those religions you know so like i know that there are other gods but this guy is saying that the bible says that there's other gods you know what i mean no. So that intrigued me. And then it just like, he just opened up all the doors and answered all my questions from like, you know, my whole life and doing all this studying and like going through, because I also like, like studying these religions. I also practice them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, you know, get the whole like, so yeah and i was just like that's crazy all these questions that i had were in the bible the whole time and here i am like i ain't touching that thing <laughs> yeah i'm not going there you know what i mean and so like you know like i i'm grateful for going through all that and i'm grateful for you know rastafari and an ethiopian king for like opening my eyes to all that and then you know i'm really grateful to michael heiser for answering the rest of those questions that i had and so the bible just kind of cleared everything up you know after i had you know people actually like open my eyes to what it really was and not what I grew up hearing or what you would learn in church either. Right. So what would you say about Dr. Mike's work that really, really like 
grabbed you or, or, or was super helpful, impactful, Christ word? Grace. That's awesome. Grace. Like the um, one and I think only sermon he ever gave. I, I'm pretty sure you've yeah. seen that. Yeah. Yep. But it's on grace. And it was just like, there it is. <laughs> that's it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that sums it up. And that, I, I think that's like, that was sort of like the whole like, strain for me in Christianity is because I never saw grace, you know what I mean? I never saw that. I, mm -hmm. I saw the war God, the God that was going to damn you to hell, you know, for whatever he felt like, I guess, you know what I mean? If you didn't believe this or you didn't believe that. And that was a lot of my like pull away from it too, you know what I mean? But then like, I don't know. This journey has showed me God's love and God's grace. And, but yeah, that, that is by far one of my favorite, it, you know, I love all his books I have on my read them, you know, but that, that sermon just kind of like, was like a thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you for like saying all of that. Because that's how I really feel. That's how I really believe. But I couldn't, I couldn't put it together. You know what I mean? And like, Mike was brilliant at putting stuff like that together. So, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. Thank you for sharing your journey and, uh, yeah. you know, how, how God uses anybody, ordinary people. He, he, used a, he used a biblical scholar who was just trying to connect the highfalutin world of scholarship with us lay people. And mm -hmm. that that led you to Christ, you know, or that was part of your journey to Christ. You know, that, that, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it was a, it was a liberation out of, um, I mean, I, I was already, I was already following Jesus, but it was a liberation for me out of rigid calvinistic deterministic uh thinking i was really mm -hmm. struggling one night i was like you know how can how can i reconcile god of love the god of love with an all-sovereign god who who controls people to hell you know how do i reconcile that he's holy he's perfect but yet he's got the side of him where he he will force people like they feel like they're willing it but it's actually him doing it and and will torture them forever and i was i was struggling with that hardcore and it was like i, I saw this book on logos because i like to use logos still do um but back then i was using it all the time and i um i saw this book on there uh, it was uh, the unseen realm and it was it was there promoting it. So that was back in 2015, and I was doing missionary work with my wife in the Philippines. So I was struggling. Imagine how I was having this cognitive dissonance, this this crisis, somewhat at night, mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep, thinking, how do I reconcile this? And I read the Unseen Realm, and 
they were they were going to church services, and I I stayed home a few times just to do Bible study, and it was amazing because I was by myself, and I remember this this uh, moment reading the passage about peril and providence, and um, where where he's talking about God's foreknowledge and how just because God foreknows something doesn't mean He decrees it irresistibly. And and uh, I forget which chapter, but um, yeah, parallel providence in the unseen realm. And he was just talking about how in the ancient mind, the ancient Israelite mind, they didn't have a problem having them be separate. That God foreknows something, but it may not happen. And if it does happen, it just means that He foreknew correctly. And when I when that light bulb when, when that when that when I read that and it literally sank in, it was like. Because I was so staunch Calvinist, I was so proud in my Calvinism. It was like when that when I read that, I was laughing at my own idiocy. <laughs> and uh, I think it's that, a journey, though. Like we have to go on that journey. Yeah. Like I, I, I did the same thing. I mean, I even studied with the Jehovah Witnesses. Mm-hmm. So, like the same thing I did with other religions, I, I did it with Christianity. I jumped through mm-hmm. all those um, denominations and, you know, theological understandings and doctrines and stuff like that. Right. And yeah, it, it it's a journey though. We have to like, we get to a place where you know, like things like that. It just clicks, and it's just like, oh, like. I mean, I don't have to believe this. Yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm still a Christian if I don't yep. believe this. Like, yep. yeah, it's like still like, you know, like I'm a universalist. So mm-hmm. a lot of people would be like, you're a heretic. And I'm like, at this point in my journey, I'm like, I don't care. Who cares? <laughs> I really don't care. You know, like. You know, and it was amazing when I learned that in the early church, the first few centuries of the church, there were lots of believers who were universalists, lots of church leaders who were universalists. Yeah. It was yeah. it was accepted as as one way to view it. You know, one yeah. one it was yeah. it was accepted as as orthodox doctrine back then. Mm-hmm. Like this is one way you can orthodox have an orthodox view of the afterlife of of um, of judgment is in, in, a, in a universalist uh, framework. And yeah. when I read that, I read that in, or I listened to that in uh, David Bentley Hart's uh, That All Shall Be Saved. I was going to say, David oh, Bentley was, Hart just opened up, like, book. everything and just mm-hmm. cleared, like, that, you know, yep. that, that part of my confusion up anyway. And then, yeah, um, Brad Jerzak is a good mm-hmm. one, too, to listen to. Like, I, I've listened to quite a bit of his stuff and... Yeah, it just yeah. makes more sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, like one of my huge like issues, you know, coming from like abusive, you know, childhood and stuff like that. You're like, what is love? Like, right. And then you read the Bible, and it's like God is love, and it's like, okay, no. what is? that mean you know what i mean and then you have people telling you like oh yeah god is love but he'll send you to hell and it's like and it'll torture you for eternity and it's like "Mm, that doesn't sound right to me that just doesn't you know what i mean it just doesn't sit well 
Like, mm-hmm. so I was just like that. I don't know. I don't know if I, now I tried like, I, I tried the annihilation thing. Like, mm-hmm. well, maybe it's that. Like mm-hmm. that would even make a little more sense than like eternal torment. Like what kind right. of psychopath? You, you know what I mean? Like right. your God has to be a, a psychotic to like want to torture people. And I, I just, I don't see that anywhere throughout even the old Testament or the new Testament. You know what I mean? Annihilation uh, maybe, but now I've like gotten to the place where I'm just like, you know, it's, it makes more sense to me that God is a restoring God. Mm. Like even on the old Testament, like restoring mm-hmm. Israel and yep. you know what I mean? Like it, it's restoration, like throughout the entire, like Genesis to revelation, you know, it's restorative. So that makes more sense to me. And then like, when you like, when you get into like the refiner's fire type language and stuff like that, like that makes more sense, you know, that, and it also makes sense to the, you know, transformation and, you know, the metamorpho. Mm-hmm. Like, um, idea in the new Testament, you know, it, it just makes more sense to me. Yeah. One passage or passage, yeah, one passage mm-hmm. that um that was brought up by David Artman, who wrote Grace Saves All. I'm not sure if you read that book. I am, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that book. I, I listened to it on audio. I'm yeah, actually gonna I have it on audio. It on, I'm gonna borrow it on Hoopla right now just so I can. Well, I'm I'm actually not gonna pull up the passage because it'll take a while. But it's um, it's I forget which prophet in scripture, which prophetic uh, book in the uh, older Testament where he's, he, uh, he quotes it and he's like, why is nobody like, I forget exactly how he said it, but like, nobody's talking about this verse. You know, they would talk about all the other verses when it comes to judgment, but not this one. And um, so he says something like that. I'm not quoting him directly, but he was like, this is ignored, often ignored. And it's basically where a lot of stuff is ignored. Yeah. And it's like, I'm trying to figure out, cause like, like I said, like, I'm interested in people and, and how mm-hmm. people think. And like, I'm like, why is there so much attention on like the negative things or like things that might sound like it's, you know, we're going to, or, you know, God's going to damn this group of people or, you know what I mean? And I'm like, you know, the big, like a big question with like people, well, what about Hitler? What about Stalin? What about all these people? And it's like, like, I, I'm trying to like, like through psychology sort of like figure out like, okay, what, what is going on inside of us that we think that we're any better than anyone else. You know what I mean? Or that it's okay for us to think that it's okay to torment for eternity another human being because, especially when it comes to like um, 
like our moral like disobedience or whatever you want to call it you know what I mean like we have to think like we're all messed up people <laughs> like all of us you know what I mean like We've all been through things, and sometimes that makes people angry. They become angry adults, or sometimes it, it, it depressed adults, or sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. but there's always something in our like brain, like our neurology, and like stuff like that that it, that causes people to be who they are, but. Right without that like if we are restored to what god intended us to be would hitler have been that person would stalin have been that person would i be that person you know what i mean so i think like i mean the the way i see it in you know is that like i i think people are hurt <laughs> you know what i mean I think they're hurt and they're like, well, you know, this person hurt me, so they should go to hell. Like, I'm humble enough to admit that I, I could be a toxic person or I could be the, the, the person that has harmed others. You know right. what I mean? And it's like, that's the point in the whole transformation, the changing of the heart, the changing of the mind and think, you know what I mean? Like thinking differently and especially like towards other people and treating yep. other people the way we treat other people, you know what I mean? And the, the I, I really love Jordan Peterson when it comes to like the whole psychological part of like the Bible. And I, I I'm grateful that someone did something like that you know what i mean and because he really like taps into that you know like transforming your mind and your thinking so i think there's a lot that we as christians need to like start doing like not just you know like reading the bible as a devotion but like really studying it yeah and studying things outside of it as well like psychology and stuff like that because there it, there are things that are, are a huge help in transforming our minds and trans especially when we have trauma and yeah like, I, I think that should be, like, a huge thing, like, kind of combining <laughs> these yeah. things in, in order, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was that careful approach to scripture, that scholarly approach that, like, let's really understand what this is saying and understand it in context, understand it as literature, understand each part of scripture, each book each each um each individual book of scripture and wh what each what each writer was communicating in their context to to the people they were communicating that's huge and and then understanding what it's actually saying you know and and not just extrapolating meaning out of it 
that we think is, you know, that we think uh, should be what it says. And I, 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 I grew up doing that. I grew up extrapolating meaning from the text and applying it right away without understanding it. And that was damaging. Uh, you know, it, yeah. for the longest time, I didn't, I, I, I thought I was a Christian, <laughs> you know, and uh, up until I lost my faith, you know, in high school and had a moment of, uh, you know, a season of agnosticism and borderline atheism. It was dark and um, not really, you know, just not knowing what the scriptures are saying and not being able to defend my faith. You know, I pretty much lost it. And um, it, it took it took God literally uh giving me faith for the first time because before it was just head knowledge before it was just, I, this is what I heard from my parents and I didn't really understand it for myself. I had to have a living experience, a living encounter with the risen Jesus. He literally had a awaken. He, he literally had to, to throw me into the reality of, of him and, and his word and to where in one, from one moment at one moment, I, it was, it was just, a book to me, a bunch of words. And then the next moment it's happening all around me and it's reality and, and it's inside me and it's around me and it's, and, and it's everywhere. He's everywhere. And, 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 and he's holy and, and, and holiness is, 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 is just radiating out of me. And I feel cleansed. I feel clean. I don't feel dirty. I don't feel uh, gross anymore, you know? And, you know, even then, it would have been helpful to have a, a Dr. Mike right away because I was such a mess for, for decade plus, you know, at my early walk as a believer and people who would have seen me would have been like, you're not a believer, even though God already came into my life and intervened because I was such a mess, you know, but hearing Dr. Mike talk about grace and faith and, and how the, the I like one of his sayings where he, uh, he said, what could not be gained by moral perfection cannot be lost by moral imperfection. That, yep. that was huge because yeah. up until then, because of certain traditions, after becoming a believer, I was so legalistic, afraid that I was not a Christian anymore yeah. or that I was never That's a Christian. That's what I was, was saying. Like the church kind of focuses on all these negative things. Like don't do this. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do you know what I mean? Or, you know, yep. you're not a Christian if you do this or, yep. you know what I mean? Rather than focusing on the things like grace, yep. focusing on feeding the poor, yep. taking care of the widow, taking yep. care of the orphan, feeding the homeless, you know what I mean? Like things mm-hmm. like that. Like, and I, I know some churches like do, but it's like a, it becomes like, it's not like an everyday thing. Like you see yeah. a person's need and you do it. It's like, you know, once a month we have a, a food drive or we have, you know, like things like this. It's not, it's right. not an everyday, like the way you live, you know what I mean? And like, mm. you know, if someone's like in emotional need, you know what I mean? Like also, you know, just being an ear listening, you know what I mean? And like, sitting down with people and having a conversation and building relationships with people. And I don't see a lot of that. That's, 
that's one thing. Like when you're like just food handing out food, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like food drives or like soup kitchens or like things like there's not a whole lot of building relationship, you know what I mean? And, and like in order to like, yeah, I, I don't know. In order to like walk with someone through their journey, you know what I mean? Like you have to build that relationship with them. And I know like I do, um, I, I drive for Lyft. Yeah. So like I have a lot of like repeating customers and stuff like that. And people are very willing to just open up and like tell you their story and like, and as long as like you're listening, you know what I mean? Like, and you're engaging with them. And then like, I, I've like built relationships with people and like, you know, I understand like everybody has suffering. Sometimes it's just easy to talk to somebody, you know what I mean? That doesn't have anything to do with your life. I mean, that's why people go to therapy. You know, you know what I mean? You sit and talk right. to somebody and, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I think, like, those sorts of things are, like, very important. But we're so hyper-focused on, like, yeah, all the, like, rules and regulations. What a Christian should be and what a Christian shouldn't be. Then we are... Like it's so, and it, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's very self-centered and yeah. not Christ-centered. And, you know, if it was Christ-centered, your focus would be outward and it would be on everyone else. Not on the self, but I mean, not that we need to heal ourselves too, but yeah. you know, that's important as well. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, for me, like I, I found that when I'm not navel gazing, when I'm not like being over scrupulous with my sins and my each individual transgression, what I what I'm doing now is, I mean, what I'm trying to cultivate in my life by God's grace is just spending time with Him and letting Him heal me, and just experiencing Him, just just letting him minister to me, letting him wash my feet because I want to run and do so many things. And God just wants to wash my feet. He wants to take care of me. He wants to spend time with me. He wants me to commune with him. It's the relationship. And like we were talking about earlier before we got on is I can't feel, I can't help others with their empty cups. If my, if my cup is empty and broken. Absolutely. Yeah. So things like, going on a walk or for me it's rucking you know i, I put a i put a, a weighted backpack on i go for a walk i was gonna ask you what is walk. that yeah it's called ruck thought what is rucking and you were talking about it the other day with like your yep. feet or whatever i'm like what is that <laughs> well so yeah rucking is basically walking with weight so it's it's like hiking but hiking is traditionally or typically done in the wilderness or somewhere where there's woods or hills or rivers, whatever, out in the wilderness. Rucking is done, can be done anywhere. Typically done more in like an 
suburban, urban setting, like through a city uh-huh. or through a town, anywhere where there's a, a higher density of humans, higher human population. So typically people will ruck on the beach or they'll go to a park or a trail or, or they'll just do it on a street with a nice sidewalk and they'll just go for miles and just walk. They usually go in groups. Go Ruck is the company that I really, um, I really like. I like their gear. They have, they have the, the best gear that I found. They're not my favorite setup when it comes to Ruck because I like, I like the external frame because they, they distribute the load uh, on, your, on your hips more and it's less strain on your shoulders, but they make their backpacks, their rucks, so comfortable that when you load it up with weight, even though it's more top, like even the even though the weight's more distributed on your shoulders, you don't feel it as much because the way they designed them. I got you. So, okay, so I saw a chick running the other day, and she had like this vest thing on. Yep. Is that what that was? I was like, it, why is she? It, she looked like she got Kevlar on. And yeah, I'm it, like, why? What is those. she running from? Yeah. <laughs> I got you know. I get it. Yeah, they have weighted vests. They have backpacks. Mm-hmm. Like mine, they, they call the backpacks ruck. Like in the military, uh, we call them packs or rucks. Um, you know, it's just a backpack with, that you can throw stuff in. But they, mm-hmm. there's these particular ones have a, have a sleeve where you can add weight to it. So to make it okay. more challenging. I have ankle weights yeah. like that. Yeah. They're like ankle weights for your legs. Yeah. Yeah. Any, they have like to, little sleeves where you put little weights in them. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's anything to make a walk a little more challenging, burn yeah. more calories, build a little, a little more muscle. So the idea is that's, I mean, I've been doing that for a while now and, and ever since the military, even, yeah, ever, ever, even before the military, like when I was getting ready to go into boot camp, Marine Corps, I, uh, I would always be hiking everywhere, rucking everywhere with a backpack. And we did that in the, in the infantry. I was a mortarman. So we, we did that a lot. Um, it was my favorite part. My favorite part of the Marine Corps was rucking. I, I didn't care as much about it, the other stuff. Um, so I would just, I would wake up super early and just go and just hike the hills while everybody else is sleeping because that was my favorite thing to do. But now as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, I take that same practice and I go out and I get alone with God and I'm listening to scripture. Um, if I put too much weight, I get distracted because then it's just painful and I can't mm-hmm. think on the word and I can't, it, it takes away from the communion with God. So I have to have a balance, like not too heavy, not too light, just enough to be challenging, but then I can get, I can get out there for hours and be alone with God and uh, and he wants to meet with me, or even just in the kitchen when when everybody's still sleeping. Just you know that stillness, that quietness, you know, mm-hmm. and and just knowing God is there, and and having that sense of well-being, His presence, His shalom, His stillness, His goodness, His uh, you know he, He's just He's so gentle. He's so just the way He He deals with us is nobody else is like this. You know He He is. Mm-hmm. So I want, I want more of that. And the more the more we spend time with him, the more that grace shapes us into a, a more Christ-like person, a more loving, a more generous, a more uh, patient, a more kind, a less, a, a more listening, a more compassionate, a more, uh, a, a more holy, a more righteous. 
that's how we become like Jesus. We don't become like Jesus by making a list of rules and striving to keep those rules. You know, that's not yeah. how we become like Jesus. Yeah. We become like Jesus by spending time with him and learning from him. Yeah. Um, and it's I think process. that. It's yeah. a process. It's a process. You know, Amen. like it, it takes time and he's more patient with oh, yeah. us than we are with ourselves. Sometimes oh, yeah. it's just like, you know, like I want to be healed right now, but like yep. it doesn't work like that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Especially with trauma, you know, I've had yeah. trauma since I've had trauma before the Marine Corps, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I, had, I was traumatized before the Marine Corps. I had I brought trauma into the Marine Corps thinking it was going to help, that the Marine Corps was going to magically fix me, and it made it worse because of the high-stress environment. Yeah. So I got out disabled. I, before I, you know, I, 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 was be, I was better off before. Then afterward, I was a lot worse. Thank God the VA, you know, helped me. God used, God used the VA to really step in and, and um, minister to me, which is huge. In, in all kinds of ways and you know just the people i've met at the va and and a lot of brothers and a lot of brothers and sisters in christ at the va who, mm-hmm. who are just who just been very encouraging in my walk with christ and um but uh ever since i don't even remember where i was going with that oh yeah the trauma so trauma is it, it it's it could be healed like this like in an instant but oftentimes oftentimes it's a journey God will, God's patiently journeying with you through all that. And, you know, we might not even be fully healed when we die from that trauma, but guess what? It's okay. It's okay. Because there's going to come a time. I mean, I would love to be fully healed from this trauma before I die, but there's going to come a time when we are restored back to Eden, better than Eden, the new Jerusalem, where it's, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what has not entered into the heart of man, what God has prepared for those that love him. That's, we get a taste of that now, you know, in our everyday experiences with him and with others. But there's going to come a time where all this pain is going to be gone. And we're going to be able to, all, all this impediment to relationship with God and with one another is going to be gone. It's going to be gone. Yeah. You know, I can't wait for that day, you know, but what, yeah, what, in the either. meantime, <laughs> and in the meantime, we yeah. we're just called to be faithful to the end and just to, to joyfully expect that day, but, you know, um, enjoy the journey. Like, uh, uh, Nate Henry from, uh, Nate Henry says that a lot now, or uh, he, he, he said that on his podcast, uh, and, and that's actually part of his, the intro is um, enjoy the journey uh, to blurry creatures. I don't know if you heard of blurry creatures podcast. Yeah, yeah. Their friend, their friend uh, Nate and Luke are friends of Dr. Mike and Drina, and uh, they, I, lo- I love their podcast. I'm, I'm part of their community, and but right in the beginning of the podcast, right in the intro, enjoy the journey. I, I, that's so true. That's what we got to do. You know, is is that, yeah. that's how we're called to live is to enjoy that process. You know. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes oh, yeah. it's hard to enjoy it because it's rough. Yeah. Oh, it can yeah. be rough, but yeah. But when you get over like those little humps, you know what I mean? It's like, huh, you know, yeah. 
so there is a little bit of joy in it but yeah for the most part it's it's rough <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it, you know pain is not fun no, it's not, but it, it is a part of that, you know, that healing, you know what I mean? Like you have to feel it to heal it, <laughs> you know? I like that. I like that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. That's awesome. I'm probably going to say that <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, you got to feel it to heal it. Yeah. Yeah, there's this um, book I've been listening to now from uh, by uh, Frank Viola. Um, what's he called? Um, Hang on, let go. I don't know. If you, have you heard of Frank Viola? He, I have. Yeah, I have yeah. him on Facebook too. Yeah. He he's he a it. he's an encouraging brother. He he he. You know, he's like talking to him, and you know, he he's very accessible, like Dr. Mike. So he would he encouraged me, and you know, with regards to my health, and you know, trying other alternatives besides just traditional medicine. Which is um, what the VA is doing now, which is awesome. It, it's like an answer to prayer. I, I know he's been praying for me, and about that, and and others. You know, he, he he talks to thousands of people, but it's amazing how people like that that have are so busy can reach out to, you know, their 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 fans, so to speak, and uh, interact and actually uh, uh, pray and be helpful. What up, Justin? Uh. Finally made it on. Yes. How are you right, doing? So I've got like five somewhere. minutes and then I have to leave, but I can hop back on if you guys are still on. But if sure. you guys want to chat, I got to go pick my boys <laughs> up and then I should be back around 10. Nice. Maybe a little earlier if they get out early, but yeah. <clears throat> How long have you been on for? About 53 minutes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Not too long, but we, we got it. We, we were talking earlier, like for about 20 minutes or so before that. Yeah. Yeah. Before we started recording. Yeah. Yeah. The, the I just wanted to bring that, bring up that book before I forget. It's, it's, it's a super sure. helpful book. Um, well, his, his book insurgents reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom was huge, huge, super helpful for me. Um, and then the other, the other book, 48 laws of spiritual power, and the, the other book, the one I'm listening to now, which is painful to listen to because it's about trauma. It's about pain. It's about suffering. It's called Hang On, Let Go and How to Navigate Life When Everything's Falling Apart. You know, I, I, I recommend yeah. it to anybody. I highly recommend yeah, it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look that up. You know, yeah, it's free on Hoopla. I got the Hoopla app, the library app. I just I read all kinds of books for free on there because it's just like a library. Um, you, you go on there, you download the audio books or the books. All you need is a library card and you just download Hoopla onto your phone and, and there you go. And so I've been listening to that book and yeah, that's just one thing that, that I'm learning is that yes, it's painful and the process is painful, but the result is just like a diamond, just like, just like that coal is being shaped by pressure. We're being shaped by that refining pressure and in our lifetime, while we're still here alive, before we either die or, or resurrected, we're going to come out of there a lot more Christ-like, a lot more loving, a lot more compassionate, a lot more mm -hmm. humble and mature. You know, those are the results. Yeah. And 
that's where we're headed, but the process sucks, you know, but we have to go through it, you know. It does suck, but, you know, like, I've noticed, like, when people go through, like, a lot of suffering, they tend to be more empathetic, you Mm. know what I mean? Like, that pain calls, like, helps us with empathy, you know, like, to be empathetic. And, like, also, Mm -hmm. like, you know, when you go through a lot, you understand what other people go through. So, you you know what I mean? You have the experience Mm -hmm. to help others as well. So, yeah, I think it's... Totally. Absolutely. I just, I I wish I had more emotions, like, you know, because of trauma and, and especially the medication that I'm on and brain condition. It's, like, it's hard for me to emote and to have emotions like I'm very expressive, but flatlined emotionally, they call that blunted emotions. So I just feel mm-hmm. it's something I can't beat myself up over it, but I tend to struggle with feeling a little guilty, not a little guilty, a lot guilty over not having emotions, especially when people are struggling. Like my friend who, whose dad was, whose dad is sick, really sick right now. She was crying in front of us. And I, all I could do was just pray. I mean, I, I didn't have the emotions to connect. I wish I did, but you know, you know, but you know, empathizing to the best of our ability, I guess, you know, um, just being there for people. Yeah. But I think as you heal, you'll get, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you'll be able to yeah. handle those emotions and be able to feel those emotions. Yeah. I have um, disassociative yeah disorder so i tend mm-hmm. to you know like <laughs> shut down you know what i mean right. like so it depends on the circumstances too you know but if, if there are things that are directly affecting me i handle other people's emotions more better than i handle my own it's it's kind of weird but mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I, I can relate with that it's easier to help others and to help myself. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Definitely. All right. Like well, you guys gonna, what'd you say, Justin? I feel like I used to be flatlining emotions, but um, I'm better now. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. Like I had my, my face was renewed and all that. So that helped a lot. And also getting out of a bad situation. Yeah. I kind of talked to you guys about that mm. privately, but oh, um, yeah. So I think, yeah, yeah, you can definitely do that. I mean, on medication, I don't know how much that'll affect you if you need to, you know, once you are able to get off it or something, you're stabilized, and maybe that'll help too. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's hope up after that point. So I, I feel like I'm more emotional now and uh life goes forward to me now so it's a good thing but for a while i just like was like dude am i like emotionless like it's just freaking me yeah, out yeah you get like numb it, it's like a numbing mm-hmm. like you, you become yeah. numb it's like you have that like when you live in like tension <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. all the time, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like you, you, yeah. you tend to like start numbing. You like numb it down, and then mm-hmm. it's like you feel like you're emotionless. You know what I mean? Like you don't have it. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? But you do, yeah. you're just like, your brain like kind of tries to protect itself and like, you know, kind of numbs yeah, and shuts right. down. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. Cause I noticed that sometimes my emotions would come out and I would notice it more physically than I did like, like in terms of the experience of resonance or something. But, um, but I, they were still there. The emotions were still there. It was just, they came out differently or, or something. So yeah, I, I, I think that's true. But anyway, um, yeah, you, are you East, you're East Coast, aren't you, Angel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that I'll still be on in now. Uh, yeah, I didn't know totally what you, I, I know you're talking about Hale Selassie. Is that how you say his name? Haile Selassie. Haile Selassie. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say real quick that um, I I told Jonathan this in the chat, but um, that like there's some reggae songs. Yeah. There's one in particular that I love Bad Brains. And they, there's just one song. It's like all about I love Jaw or whatever. And then at the end, he goes, Hale Selassie. And I'm like, well, like. That's not my religion, but I can be like, which means Lord have mercy. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But that's really cool. I didn't realize. I still, I still awesome. love reggae music. I still listen to it. You yeah. know what I mean? But like, yeah. When, like I said, yeah. they believe that Holly Selassie, I was the, uh, the second coming of Christ. And I, right. I, I studied his life. I can tell you he is not. <laughs> and he, yeah. <laughs> he admits to being a follower and disciple of Christ. So that is right. what led me to Christ and to read the Bible. And yeah. Oh, really? I didn't even realize that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to listen to this podcast. When it gets published. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I actually have, I, I have like a PDF of my um, testimony. I could send it in group so you guys can read it as well. Oh, nice. And it has yeah. like, it has like, um, like his different quotes and stuff that he, his uh, speeches and stuff on it too. So, awesome. yeah. All right, guys, I need to hop off of here. Um, let me know in group if you're still on at 10. Sure. I'll text and, um, yeah, I'll hop back on if, okay. yeah, you guys are still in okay. here, but maybe we'll acquire someone else too. And, huh? Yeah, you know, maybe it'll just keep going and going. Maybe, maybe someone else will hop on and it'll just keep going and going. And yeah. Of its own. yeah, I don't have any limitations tonight. <laughs> we can stay out as late as we need to. Okay. Yeah, I don't okay. either. I'm good. So, all right. I'll be back at 10 then. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Okay. Sounds okay. good. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Huh. Well, I don't know where to go from here. I just, <laughs> bro, I have so many things yeah, I would like to say, actually, but um, I don't want to hog okay. the conversation because this whole time I just we've been going back and forth, but I've been speaking a lot too. So, yeah, yeah, when it comes to emotions, what we were talking about, I just wanted to share. It's just I want to have emotions so bad, and I've, I've been wanting to have them for such a long time. Yeah. And my brain is when it comes to emotions, I've been wanting to have them for so long. And what I learned from discovering mercy from Fern and Audrey, I'm not going to say their real names because to protect their anonymity, because uh, they work with sensitive situations. But um, what they shared was 
when we are traumatized or when someone is traumatized, it's, it's part of the way the body defends itself. Those, uh, you know, we, and, uh, and our capacity for emotions becomes, becomes shot. So we're not able to feel those things. Uh, that, that's just, it's, it's the way trauma works when you get traumatized your your capacity your ability to emote your ability to feel is is gone and it's part of it's part of the way the the brain is defending itself from that trauma it doesn't want to go back there and and like for me i don't even remember what happened when i was traumatized um you know i remember bits and pieces but it's you know i don't remember everything and what uh, the doctor, my, my doctor at the VA, he said that it's like my, my, my wires are frayed and sparking. They need to be repaired. And until that repair happens, I'm going to be like emotionally dysregulated and whatnot. So anyway, but what I find is when I'm not, when I'm not focused on that, when I'm not focused on the pain and the lack of emotion, when I'm focused on helping others when I'm when I'm when I'm spending time with God and just enjoying God's presence and then and then extending that in in uh in helping others being there for others that is medicinal that uh that brings me joy something deeper that <laughs> that medicine can't can't uh give that therapy can't give um when I'm in, when I'm in God's presence and I'm and I'm and I'm joining Him in the work that He's doing, that issue is resolved in the moment. So I could have this for the rest of my life, and I'll be fine as long as I could be with Jesus, as long as I can be with God and just do life with Him and with others, with with, with my fellow human beings in God's presence waiting for his return, you know, I can deal with this lack of emotion. It's, it's nothing, you know, it's, it's, it's a small issue, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bothersome. It's annoying when I focus on it, but when I take my mind off of it, it's not an issue anymore. It's barely there. So I just want to bring that up, you know, as an encouragement to anybody listening to this, who, who's, who's struggled with trauma or who has, who can relate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, God, God heals everything, you know, it, and yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, because I see you as a very empathetic guy. It just seems like you have that sort of almost that stoic sort of kind of layer to you. But in your actions and your how you like kind of treat other people, you're very empathetic and all that. And so it's it's interesting, you know, because like some people may not be very empathetic or caring, but they have a they act like they do, and it's the opposite, you know. And so, but it, what really counts is that you have that heart. And so, uh, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, but also like your emotions can can enrich your, the quality or the uh, depth 
or the feeling of depth of your life. And so I guess that's the other part of it is that, you know, it's, it feels crippling when you don't have that. Um, yeah. But it's, it's helpful to remember that's not everything, you know, I mean, I, I uh, have been through a period like that and, um, you know, ultimately when we're glorified, then we won't have any inhibitions like that. You know, we'll just be experiencing the full richness of the life that God has given us to have. And so it's kind of like, you know, you got to persevere and endure through it. You know, seek out help in any way that you can perhaps enjoy that richness of life. But if it can't be helped, then you just endure it and take it as your cross to the point where it's lifted off of you, whether it's in this life or the next. Right. And so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's a good perspective to have. And, um, you know, that's what, but that's what really counts. So when we endure and we love anyway, then we'll, it'll only increase our, the, the compensation we receive in the life to come. And that's, it's all good. That's all for the glory, you know? So, um, that's the perspective I try to keep on, on things, you know, mm-hmm. may not have the best, always have the best life in this life, but, um, it'll pay off in the end. Well, yeah. And I, I do think, this, you know, that this is a, this is a good message for people to have too, yeah. is that, you know, it's not just, you know, you get to heaven and everything will be better. We got to remember that, there's actually a compensatory aspect to it. It's like those who've had little in this life will have much. And so that um, there's different types of glories. Like we'll have, you know, um, Paul says like, just as the stars differ in glory one from another. So we too will in the resurrection. So, um, so we have to remember that too. It's like sort of, you know, uh, we're just where you've been wounded there, Christ will bless you all the more. Where, you know, the, there's more suffering, there'll be more grace to compensate for that. So, gotta keep that in perspective too. Because if you just have this perspective, all well, it'll just get better. You don't realize what your suffering actually contributes to the picture. But you're su- if you're if you gain more because of your suffering, then that gives you some kind of meaning to that. You know. So I find that very helpful too. Yeah, I I find that comforting and exciting at the same time because like, what's his name? Oh, I forget his name. Uh, Dr. Hugh Ross. He, he, he basically talks about how the trials, the pain, the suffering – in this life is a, is pretty much a training for us. It's, it's, we're, we're being trained for heaven. We're being trained for that new creation, that new universe, that renewed. Well, and you know, he, he, he talks about a new universe. Well, you know, scripturally it can go either way. It could be a new universe or a renewed universe, but the point is it's preparing us for something beyond imagination, responsibilities, and duties and a calling in the in the next life and in, in the in in the the 
in the beginning of forever. And those duties, those responsibilities, those 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 things that we'll be faithful of over there, it'd be so glorious, it'd be so amazing in the presence of God that whatever little light momentary suffering that we're experiencing now, it's nothing compared to what we're going to experience there with Jesus in the new creation, doing who knows what we can't even imagine forever with our God. Um, and with together with all the rest of our loved ones. So, yeah, this uh, this this is training for us. You know, it's 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 our it's our um, preparation for glory. It's our preparation for something we can't even begin to understand. You know, and we we get little glimpses of, of that now, in, in when we become sweeter and kinder and more Christ-like in this life. But that's just a taste of something to come. And that's what's exciting. God gives us proofs of it now in, in, the, in the faith and belief and the trust and the allegiance that he's given us toward him and also in the experience of him on a moment-by-moment basis together with other, with other believers, you know, I can't even describe what I'm trying to say, but I think I did a little bit there in trying to uh, sum up that uh, it's just preparation. That's all it is. It's preparation. Yeah. St. Teresa of Avila was a medieval mystic. He had a lot of suffering. And she said that uh, compared with the glory of heaven, all the suffering in this life, you think of all the credible suffering there is, but all of it will be like a bad night in, in an inconvenient hotel. <laughs> because, you know, people might find that hard to believe, but for someone who, and I've, I've had some of this kind of experience, for someone who's had a foretaste of the degree of intensity that there is in God in heaven. It's not just like nice. It's not just sweet. It's amazing. It's, I mean, are, are we, am I, <laughs> I, I want to know how, you know, like how crazy I can get on this podcast. Just say, say whatever. Bro, you can say whatever. Go for I'm, it. I'm just going to say it's, it's better than any high or better than any <laughs> orgasm or anything like that. It's it's intensity of bliss and ecstasy mm-hmm. um, and power and and wisdom mm-hmm. and insight and, and awareness that puts anything, any pleasure on earth to shame or any um, experience of greatness or anything on earth to shame. It's, it's like anything you experience in this life is child's play compared to that. So whatever you think, whatever you, you feel like you can believe, just take the word of those who actually experienced real suffering and still say that heaven is going to be more amazing or the resurrection, you know, the, and all that, the glor- glorification that is to come. It's going to be way more amazing. 
if even sometimes like the foretaste you can get sometimes is even more amazing than any suffering you experience on earth. And even, you know, heaven's going to be even better than that. There's a reason why we're exhorted all over scripture to have patience and to wait for it with patience and to not give up and to encourage one another every day while the day, you know, while it's still called today, while that day is drawing near. Because I believe that if we're faithful now, it's going to be so much better there. You know, so like we were talking about universalism, you know, um, me and uh, an angel. And I would say I'm, I'm more convinced of universalism now than I am of annihilationism. What up? <laughs> hey, you made it back. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. We were just talking about universalism and because we were talking about, oh, okay. She had to go. So, oh, there we go. Cool. Temporary nice. Glitch. Sweet. So we were just talking about universalism and just, just basically the suffering that we have to endure now in this life that's preparing us for the glory then and how... Well, where was I going with that? Sorry, my it's late and my brain is not at a hundred percent right now. Um, where are you um, at? Oh, oh, I forget. But anyway, the 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 general gist of what I'm trying to say is that if we if we're faithful now, it'll be so much better then, you know. And if we just if we just don't care now, or if we live as if it's not real now. We live as if God doesn't exist right now, or we we live in a way that's that's hurt that that's that's grieving to Him and damaging to others and to ourselves. It's it's not going to be. I, I think I think the rewards that we have in the in the uh, in the age to come are are are, are going to, are, are not going to be as good as they could have been. You know, our responsibilities, our duties. Uh, you know, there's going to be different levels of rewards in the, in the age to come, the ages to come. And so I think something, something so simple as suffering well, and not just any kind of suffering, but every day, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to waste it and just complain about it? Or are we going to, are we going to walk with Jesus with that suffering and partner with him and what he's doing in this world? in spite of that suffering or, or, or with that suffering and, and suffer with him, you know, and we'll experience even more suffering when we do that, but he's with us and he's strengthening us and he is giving us, uh, he's giving us power by his Holy spirit. You know, that we, we, we don't talk as believers. We don't talk as much about the Holy spirit. He's God, you know, he's God and he's living in us. And he's giving us power to, to do the impossible. And when we live as if it's true, when we live with him 
and partner with him in this life by his Holy Spirit, and we live faithful to the end, in the midst of all that suffering and ups and downs and joys and pains and trials and, and, and tears and laughter. And when we reach that end, our reward is going to be so much better, I think, in my opinion, um, from what I understand in Scripture. And we'll have lots, a lot more fun things to do. Like my missionary professor said, you don't want to be the guy who gets to heaven. And God's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's your bike in your apartment. Enjoy for the rest of eternity, you know, <laughs> like have fun. You know, I don't want, I don't want to be that guy. You know, I, I want to be faithful because there's so many reasons to be faithful because also it, God is, God is worth it. He deserves it. And it's going to be so much better in eternity with him and with with everybody else uh, with those responsibilities and those, those heightened joys that we wouldn't otherwise experience then if we're not faithful now. So that, that's, that's my understanding. Please chime in and correct me if I'm, if I'm way off. <laughs> no, I was, I was going to, yeah, I wouldn't correct you, but I would also add that, um, you know, there could be, Let's see. I'll put it this way. God takes into consideration the our weaknesses and the kind of suffering we're experiencing, even if it's like what I'm trying to say is it's not like necessarily objectively measured where you know it's not always the martyr who's had the screws put to them in like months of torture on the rack and all that, and he'll get a greater crown because he objectively had more suffering than than someone who has gone through like really 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 hard relational um ripping apart of their heart and and confusion and things like that it all really comes down to what does god know about your own soul and what it took for you to endure that that's the key Hmm. And so it's all individually. It's all, all about your individual relationship to God and right. and all that. And so all you have to do is worry about your relationship to God, not like, am I suffering enough or something like that? Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. are you being faithful in the midst of whatever cross that God, that the Lord has given you? Um, right. And that, you know, that's uh, sort of a proper answer to like the sort of volunteering martyr that that actually was a problem in the early church. Like a lot of people, they wanted the honor of being a martyr. And so they'd go out and try to actually provoke the empire to martyr them. Right. And that's not right. I mean, we're not, in fact, Jesus said, if they persecute you in one place, flee to another, he doesn't say invite it. And then like, say, come at me, bro. And then like, you know, get me up on that cross, <laughs> you know, he's not saying yeah. go looking for suffering, but if the suffering comes to you, then endure it as Christ would, and as he did with his spirit. Um, so that's the key. I mean, so we're not supposed to like love and embrace our suffering. Like, Oh, I want more of it or something like that. We're just supposed mm-hmm. to incorporate it and take it into um, into our relationship with God and submit it to him so that we can endure more faithfully. 
awesome. I like that. Yeah, because the Christian faith is not about it's not about suffering. It's not about you know. Um, it's not like the, it's not like even that. God needs us to suffer in order to make us great or something like that. It, it all, it just happened because, you know, we lost our way. It, it, right. It's not, it's not because somehow that that's necessary or anything like that. Um, it's just because, well, I guess humans can't, because we're mortal beings that just, you know, or whatever, you know, like, somehow we needed to go through this lesson in order to learn not to do it again, you know, something like that. But it's not because inherently there's something about suffering that makes it necessary for us to grow or something like that. We'll be growing for eternity and we won't need you know, to, to be going through all this nonsense that we're going through right now. Mm. Um, so we got to keep that in mind. It's, Christianity is not actually a religion of suffering. Um, even though that's part of it because of, of you know all that's happened and, and the way that Christ has redeemed us and everything and we have to take up our cross and that's yeah I mean that's factually part of it but that's not like God had to make this world such that we would have to suffer so that we you know someday we would you know be glorified um, you know in a certain sense that's true, but only if you realize that it's because of our own waywardness. It's not because there's something about it that's magic that that makes it that way, you know. God didn't predestine suffering so that we can learn right. a lesson. Right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. You made it very pithy. That's very good. Yes. <laughs> I like the, I like those pithy things. What was the other one? If you can't feel it, what is it? Oh, you have to feel it to heal it. You have to feel oh, it to heal yeah, it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah um, one thing I wanted to bring up as you were like that. sharing that. Um, have another squirrel moment. <laughs> Let's see. Hold on. Uh, where was it? Okay. Yeah. So we look at the the early. We look at the first century church. Well, really, the early church. The first century church, especially, and the letters that were written to them by the apostles. These were joyful people. Oh yeah, they suffered, but for the most part, they had normal lives. They had ups and downs, but they were joyful. And they had, they had something that was so radically different than their neighbors that their neighbors w would ask them, like, th their neighbors were curious. You, you have it in the writings of the, of the, um, of the leaders of the, of the um, you know, military, government, uh, historians, whatever, of the day saying, these people are nuts. You know, they're, they're taking care of uh, people who are not even part of their own group they're they're going and they're 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 running to p they're running to ap uh pandemics they're not running away from them when there's an epidemic they're running to the sick people they're not running away from them they're they're rescuing abandoned uh children who've been exposed 
they're taking them in as, 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 as their own and they're not even their own kids. They're not even their, their own people. And these people um, have these love feasts and they're joyful and they're celebrating and they're drinking, they're, they're cannibalizing because they're, because they're eating the body and blood of, of, of their, of their uh, savior. So, you know, they didn't understand it, but one thing they did see was that these people were radically different, radically joyful, radically loving. So, yeah, there's suffering involved, like you said, but, and like, like we were talking about, but I like what you, and, and I like what you said, it's not all suffering. It's not all about suffering. It's, you know, there's joy, there's, and that's a hallmark is there's joy, you know, there, there's, there's light, there's life, you know, um, as, and that's, a, that's huge. Yeah. I wanted to yeah, say something um, too. One of my favorite mystical teachers, uh, she's, I think she's been wrongly condemned, but they should undo that. But her name was Madame Guillon. She's, she's actually really beloved by Protestants because she kind of uh, ministered to them more so, even though she was Catholic. But she said, uh, I, I, was, I was going to go back to something you said before, and that it, when the more you're walking with Christ, the more the suffering can be in, intense. In a certain sense, that can be true. But I want to qualify that. Because um, I was talking about like the objective dimension of suffering and then the subjective. Um, what Madame Guyon said is that the further the soul comes in union with God, when it comes like close to union with God, more sacrifices will be asked of it, but it'll freely give them up. Like, okay, yeah, yes, please. Because it's like, it's like yeah. there's this pleasure, this bliss in doing it, whereas it doesn't yeah. feel like a sacrifice anymore. So initially, even the smaller sacrifices seem like more of a sacrifice to, to give up. Because it's like, what? I have to like, my life is not my own. What? You know, like, and and you're more attached to things. But um, also there are, you know, accounts of like martyrs, like even being burned in the flames and they were just singing praises to God out of the midst of it because they're... Yeah somehow like their suffering was alleviated just by this bliss of God and their, you know, the angels, you know, with them singing praises and helping them to like, not even like re really recognize the, the bodily pain that they were going through. And so there's something in that, you know, it's like, it's not, I mean, I, I don't want like people to be dissuaded from, seeking God further because they, they think that, oh, it's just going to be even worse than what I'm experiencing now. So I'm just going to stay where I'm at. No, you, you get, no, no, you no. get more, you get more blessedness. You get more bliss and, and loveliness through it. But, um, it's just really a matter of giving up your own way, like your own individual way and for the sake of union with God and with others. So, yeah, <laughs> that's basically what I had to say. Right on, bro. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a painful drudgery, in other words. Yeah. And what I've experienced in my personal walk, and also from reading testimonies of contemporary Christians, meaning you know, like fellow fellow believers who are being um, exposed to 
persecution and, and hardships, especially in the uh, global south and in the places in the world where the gospel is illegal, where it's hostile against the gospel, these people are joyful. Oh my goodness, bro. Compared to their neighbors, these people, if you were to compare their life before Christ and now walking with Christ, it's it's night and day. It's like they're in the Garden of Eden around the chaos. The chaos is happening all around them and they're feasting at the table of the Lord and they're inviting their neighbors their community that's 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 partaking of that feast is inviting their neighbors and it's spreading like wildfire and the gospel's transforming whole communities and taking over villages and in the best way you know so it's a it's a celebration it's a party you have you have like groups of hundreds of people that will go to a a water source like a river and they'll have they'll baptize hundreds of people and they'll do it in a matter of 40 minutes and they're already out of there. But while that's happening, they're celebrating, bro. They're, they are, they're singing, they're rejoicing, there's music, there's dancing. These people are, I, I experienced that when I really got baptized the first time for real. Like I got baptized when I was a teenager. I didn't, it didn't mean anything to me. But when I, when I got baptized for real and I came out of that water, the smile of God was so potent. And it was just amazing and just, you know, just experiencing the acceptance of God in such a tangible way. And I just leapt out of that water, jumping up and down, rejoicing like a little lamb, you know, let out of the out of, out of the stall. And my uncle, he, he witnessed that. He, he, he got to see, me, you know, me getting baptized. And it was, I'll never forget it, you know. And, and ever since then... The, the suffering that I've experienced is not because of Jesus. Like what I mean is he's not causing my suffering. The suffering I experienced I had before I met Christ. I was already traumatized. I already have a mental condition. I'm suffering not because of Jesus. He's not, he, it's not, not I shouldn't, nobody should blame my suffering on the risen Christ. Because all I've, all I've experienced from Jesus is joy and love and shalom and well-being in the midst of my darkness he's in the he's in the midst of my pain and when i'm experiencing the worst turmoil and anguish all of a sudden in those darkest of times is when i where i've experienced the deepest joy that i'll remember for the rest of my life uh, there was a time where i was walking out of ihop my friend was picking me up from the you know from ihop and i was in the deepest gloom the the devil was just convincing me that I was hopelessly lost forever. And I got out of that and I was so, and he said when he looked at me, he could see gloom, he could see uh, doom on my face. But then there was this car parked right next or close to his, but right in front of me. And the license plate said Jesus, just the words Jesus right there. And immediately God met me there and I just, all I, all I could do was just jump up and down and rejoice. That darkness left. That darkness did not exist anymore. I was, God intervened, you know, and that has happened many times. Every time Jesus is there, like, like my daughter was singing the song the other day, with Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm. And 
I forget the rest of the lyric, but yeah, with Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm. And that's what I experience. When I'm in touch with him, when I experience him, is nothing but bliss, like you said. Yeah, totally. And uh, it's kind of a theodicy in a way, like even though it's it's not um, uh, spelled out theology, but the very fact that God can redeem your suffering and cause you to rejoice even in the midst of it, that is like a de facto apologetic or theodicy saying he's bigger than that and yep. everything everything you can go through is accounted for and it's redeemed and it'll all make sense in the end even if you know we don't have the mind power to really comprehend it right now um one day we'll be able to see like another another great saint saint julian in norwich talked about that. Hey guys, I'm gonna have to talk okay no problem i'll be having my like 15 minutes. All right. Awesome. All right. See you in a bit. St. Julian in Norwich talked also about um, the kind of compensatory aspect. And it's like when it's redeemed, like it'll all make sense. She she has this line that's become pretty famous. It goes, all is well. All is well and all shall be well. And so the the point is like from eternity, everything will just make sense and we'll see why it had to be this way and all we're down to the glory of God. So that there's a theodicy in that. It's like that you know, for those who don't know what theodicy means out there, it just means that a defense of God's um, benevolence in the face of suffering, essentially. Now some people will think that the Odyssey means a defense of suffering. No, I, I would not say that. I don't think there's any defense of suffering per se. It's a defense of God and the face of suffering. That's the, that's the point. Um, because suffering is not meant to be. But God, um, in the, we can see, still see him in the face of it and understand that there's a purpose for everything he's done and a good purpose. Thank you.